when, when Justin asked me to preach a couple of weeks ago, um, I had a very, very strong leading to preach on a passage that God had used recently to like speak to me in a very profound way. Um, about seven weeks ago, I was reading through the book of John and um, it was part of my goal to just read through the, the New Testament this year. Um, and so I'm reading through the book of John and I get to this, this story that all, like, it just, it floors me. It like stops me in my tracks and God just uses it right then in that moment to speak to me. Um, now, having been a Christian for a little bit over a decade now, um, it's, it's a story that I'm familiar with and the truth of that story, I'm familiar with it. But that day, I felt like God just like in a, in a new way, like brought it to life. Um, and, and essentially what he brought to life for me is it's the basis of how I and really how we all now relate to him because of Christ. So maybe you've heard of this passage before, but let's go to get, uh, let's go through it together. It's John chapter seven, verses 53 through chapter eight, verse 11. So I'll give you a second, because I know you have your physical Bible in front of you. I'll give you a second to open that up. All right, let's read it together. So verse 53 of chapter seven, they went each to his own home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What do you say? This they said to him to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Now, some of you actually may notice in your Bible that there's a note that says that this, this passage was not included in the earlier manuscripts, um, and that's because it's widely believed that this wasn't a part of the original Gospel of John. It was added in later by scribes. Um, but I, like many scholars, you know, they, they always consult with me, um, but we, we believe that this account truly occurred, and it's worth preaching from because it reinforces the foundation of our faith and in no way contradicts it. So that being said, let's jump right into it. Now, again, seven weeks ago when I first read this passage, um, I remember just reading it over and over and over again. Um, but the first time I read the passage, like I, I remember sitting down and saying, like, I am that woman. It's something I've never said before and I, I probably will never say again. But in that moment, for some reason, I couldn't help but identify with her guilt, right? So this woman had been caught redheaded. She's caught right in the act of um, sleeping with someone who's not her spouse. And 
it brought to me or it brought to mind all of my sin, right? I thought of like everything that I've ever done wrong, all the worst things, all the things that are little, everything from years of being addicted to pornography, lying, stealing, pride, um, like having, like asking, like trying to put God in my, um, my uh, favor and all these different things, like all the different things I've done, I felt in that moment. And it was, it was very overwhelming. It was overwhelming because like this woman, I couldn't deny my guilt in the face of the law that was right in front of us. Now, that's important because as the passage shows, the law teaches us a lot about who God is, who we are, and how we relate to God. So let's jump into verse, chapter, verse 3 of chapter 8. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What do you say? Now, looking at this, I, I get the temptation to be like, stone the woman. Like, that's a little harsh. Like, God, I feel like you're overreacting a little bit. I mean, everyone does this. Like, she's just caught with this one time. Like, do we really need to stone her? Right? That, what the law does is it, it actually points us to the holiness of God. The Bible teaches us that God is holy, which means he's, he's not like us. He's different. He's perfect in every way, morally and in, in every way you can imagine. Um, he's completely sinless. So ultimately, his law is good because he is. So God, being a good God, cannot allow the breaking of his law to just go unpunished. All right, imagine a scenario. It's Fourth of July weekend. You and your family, you guys are barbecuing, disobeying social distancing law. Uh, but you're having a good time, right? And then someone comes and... Again, this might be a little intense, but someone comes and shoots up the entire, in your entire family. Everyone gets murdered except for you. Somehow you live. The cops are called. This guy is arrested, and he's rightly put into jail. Months later, he's, he's in trial, and all the evidence of his crimes are put in front of him and put in front of the jury. The jury reaches a, a verdict that's guilty. If the judge, with all this information and a verdict given to him by the jury, looks at this guy who pretty much just killed your entire family and said, you know what? It's okay. You, you committed murder. You destroyed this entire family. I'm going to let you go. Like there would be so much outrage because that's not a good judge. That's not a just judge. In the same way, God cannot allow the breaking of his law to just go unpunished. Like, he cannot do that. Otherwise he would not be righteous. So, sorry, I lost my place here. So we see that that's the purpose of this law. And God gives the law to the people of Israel through Moses. And he's given it to them that they know how to interact with him and then also with each other. Now, another reason for the law is that it reveals who we are. It, it reveals our sinful nature. Right? I grew up in the church. Most of you know, my father's a pastor. My mom is a church leader. So, you know, I, was, I spent many years just like listening to messages, reading through God's word. So I was very familiar with the law. Things like, you know, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't use God's name in vain. But I always did all of those things, right? Uh, my knowledge of the law didn't change the fact that um, it made it easier to, to follow, right? It, it, it just showed me how much I was sinful. Like I used to steal a lot. Like, don't tell my mom this. I hope she's not on a Zoom call. 
But I, I was a career criminal before I was like 15. I used to go in, in the neighborhood. I used to go to corner stores and I would just steal things. I'll put it in my jacket. I was still from classmates. I would, I would steal from anyone I could. The, my justification was like, hey, I don't have this. I deserve it. I'm going to take it. Um, one time I got caught actually selling at the corner store that my family always went to. And the guy caught me. He's like, if you ever come in here, I'm telling your mom. And my mom is, is the judge of my family. You don't want the punishment that she doles out. So I was scared straight. I was like, I'm never going back to the store. My brothers were like, oh my God, you're going to get in trouble if mom finds out. I was like, fine, I'll just go to the store around the corner and I'll just steal from them. So I just stole from those guys. Um, so no matter how much this law was presented to me and I went over it, it didn't make it easier for me to follow. It just made me feel worse. Um, and then because of that, like, the way I related to God was like this. If I had a good day and I followed all the rules, I didn't steal, I didn't lie, I didn't commit adultery, anything like that, it was a good day. I was like, all right, God, you know what? You know, you owe me these things because I had a good day. If it wasn't a good day and I, you know, let's say I stole stuff or um, I, you know, fought people, then it was like, God, all right, I'm bad. Like, I can't come to you. I can't relate. I need to, I need to fix this and then we're good. So that's the other purpose of the law. Now, Going back to the story, I, even though I had this law in front of me, I was like, man, this woman, like I'm with her. I feel it. Like I, I feel how, how bad she feels. I feel her pain. I feel her embarrassment. Um, and I was, I was like, man, I hate the Pharisees. Like you ever read the Bible and you're like, I hate the Pharisees. Like they're so annoying. Like they're, they're haters. They, they troll Jesus all the time. Like they're, they're just, you know, self-righteous. And I was like, man, I, I hate these guys. Like I wanted to like jump into the story and just like, like curse them out and stuff. So God actually uses pastor to show me and stop me in my tracks. Like, Hey, I know you identify with this woman, which makes sense because you are guilty, but let me show you the ways that you're actually like these Pharisees. So the way he did that, and this is the way, this is the way this passage does it for us. It shows us how the Pharisees and the scribes misuse the law for their own purposes. And that's what I do all the time, too. So going back to the story, let's look at verses 6, 7. Now, they said this to test him, stone the woman, um, that they might have a charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and rolled with his finger on the ground. And as they continue to ask him, so they, they keep pestering him. Like, they don't stop. Like, I really hate these guys. Um, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. So the first way we see the Pharisees misuse the law is they use the law to condemn others, right? They, they, they take this law about adultery and they're using it to condemn this woman. And they're also trying to use it to condemn Jesus and discredit him. Now, again, before you think, hey, I, I'm not a Pharisee. And before I was tempted to think, hey, I'm not a Pharisee, I'm the woman. Um, it's very easy for us to condemn people when we feel like we're doing it right. Like we're, we have the law, we're nailing it. We're being good Christians, Therefore, I have a right to, to be a jerk to you, essentially. I experienced this in a very real way when I first became a Christian. So I became a Christian in college. What happened was um, I was met with the truth of the gospel. Right? I, again, like I mentioned before, the way I operated with God, our relationship was based on, like, David did this today. He was really good. All right, he gets a gold star. He gets blessings. God, you're okay with him. If he dies tonight, he's going to heaven. Right? That's how I related to him. I do this. He does this for me. We're good. I came face to face with the gospel, which showed me that I was a sinner and that, you know what, I'm only saved by God's grace. So that was amazing for me, right? 
like I had this freedom. I was like, oh man, like God is so good and I love God. What it did, however, was all the people, especially the people I grew up in church with, would teach us and instruct us. It caused me to be like, wow, you guys are idiots. I remember sitting in church, listening to my pastor preach. And I was like, you're wrong. Like, you're wrong. Like, you're, you're actually dumb. Like, I could do a better job than you because you don't know the gospel. You don't know this. You don't know that. I, I honestly felt that. So inwardly, I was like, I was condemning people and anyone who didn't believe the same thing I believed. And then outwardly, I would have arguments with people, right? I would like point out all the different ways they're wrong. And I would be sarcastic and be a jerk. Like my, my goal was to make people feel dumb because you don't have it right. And all these years, this is what you taught us. All these years, this is what you wanted us to believe. But you were wrong this entire time. So it's like, I'm going to get my vengeance on you. I'm going to use God's law to make you feel like an idiot. That was me, a jerk. And again, thank God he's, he's worked in my heart. I'm not a jerk or not as much of a jerk as I used to be. But I still see ways how this plays out today. Facebook. I hate Facebook. I hate Facebook because people, I think, it's my opinion, people just go on Facebook and they just carelessly throw their opinions out there, right? And so you see it, someone like me, especially with everything that's been going on recently, there have been so many times where I'm like, this person is an idiot. Like, if I was in front of you right now, I'd punch you because you're so dumb. Like, how could you believe this? Like, don't you know, like, the truth? Like, what's wrong with you? This is me knocking over my notes. Um, but this is, see, I'm tired. I should have sat down. I'm getting hyped. Um, but this is, how I, this is how I condemn people nowadays. Like, you're an idiot. Like, did you believe this? And you're dumb. And, again, that's, that's not what God calls us to do. Another way the Pharisees misuse the law. And again, you're a Pharisee. I hope you know that today. I'm a Pharisee too. Uh, another way that we do this is we, we bend God's law and we do it so that we can get what we truly want. All right? You see the Pharisees. This is my favorite part of this passage, honestly. The Pharisees don't even properly observe the law that they're accusing this woman of violating. So the law that they're referencing is in Leviticus 20. It says, if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. Anybody notice the man's not in the story at all? I know all the ladies are like, yes, yes, what's the man? What's the justice? I'm with you. Where, where is this guy? Why is it that the Pharisees dragged the woman and not the man? Right? Their, their goal is not to love the law and observe the law, they're just using this law as a way to, one, shame this woman, and then try to discredit Jesus, right? They're using the law for their own gain. Sound familiar? If it doesn't, here's some reminders. These are some of the ways that we bend God's law to get what we want. Ever told a half-truth, right? This is something I'm guilty of. Because at the end of the day, what I want is to preserve my image and how I look and appear to people. So whenever, sometimes when I've confessed, it's like, I'll tell half the truth, but God, I'm I'm not lying. I'm I'm telling the truth. I'm not telling it to the full extent, because if I do, I look like a, 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 a wicked person. Right? That's one way. God, you know, we're sleeping together, but we're, we're practically married. So it's all good twisting the law to get what we want. So what we reveal, 
And I, again, I have a list of these examples. If you need them, I'll send it to you. Um, essentially, what we're doing when we bend God's law is we reveal what our true motives are. The, 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 our, we reveal our hearts and our motives. Our heart is that we, we don't really love God. We don't really love the law. Just like the Pharisees that didn't love the law, it showed their motives. Their motives was to discredit Jesus so that they can gain back control and influence over the people of Israel. Very much like us, we only follow God's law only to the extent that it gets us what we want. I'll say that again for the people in the back. We only follow God's law sometimes only to the extent that it will get us what we truly want. Now, at this point, you're probably feeling offended probably got beat up by this passage. I felt the same way that day. The good news is that there's more. There's, there's more ways that this passage wants to get at us and offend us. Um, <laughs> here's how we see this, right? The Pharisees, what they do, and, and if we look at verses 7, sorry, verses 8, from 8 to 10, this is what happens. Once more, Jesus bends down, uh, writes on the ground, when they heard this, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there. Jesus stood up and said, woman, where are they? Has anyone condemned you? She said, no, no one, Lord. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. From now on, go and sin no more. So what this passage reveals to us, and this is essentially why the Pharisees walk away, is that we cannot fully keep God's law. We often misuse the law. Because of that, we cannot be justified by the law. What that means is we cannot relate to God based on how we keep his law. This is why the Pharisees, they leave one by one, because, again, they, they're using the law to condemn someone and discredit Jesus. But at the same time, they're not even obeying the law. It's ridiculous. So all their efforts to obey the law are revealed as futile and it's, it actually just shows how sinful they are. This is why they leave, right? They, they, they see their hypocrisy. That's why they don't stone her, right? They have to leave. They're guilty. In the same way, we are shown by the law to be guilty of keeping it and that we come to the conclusion that no one can use the keeping of the law or the works of the law, as the Bible refers to, as a basis of righteousness, Looking at Romans 3, verses 19 to 20, the Bible says it's like in the best way possible. So this is Paul saying, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Reading that, <laughs> that kind of makes you feel kind of crappy because it's like, well, if I can't, I can't keep this law and I'm supposed to keep this law, what am I supposed to do? Like, what, this, is, this is a dilemma that clearly shows up. What am I supposed to do with this? Like, what's our hope? And for me, this is where the good news of this passage breaks forth and all of that beating and all of that offending makes sense and it, it, it comes to a head, Right? What this passage shows us is that Jesus is the judge who gives us freedom, right? Jesus is our hope. Jesus, as we see in this story, is how we now relate to God, 
right? Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they walked away. We know that, beginning with the older ones. Jesus is left alone with the woman. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, No one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now sin no more. Right? So this, we already established that this woman is guilty, right? She is guilty by law and she deserves to be stoned. So why is Jesus in this case lifting that judgment of stoning by death on this woman? Like how, how is she able to just go and sin no more? How is she not being punished for breaking God's law? And Romans 3.26 explains this perfectly, right? Paul again, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It is to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. So we can see now in this story that Jesus is not dismissing this woman's sin. He's not dismissing the fact that she's, she broke the law and she committed adultery. He's not just like nullifying it or just like dismissing it at all. He's not doing that with our sin. Like, I don't know if you've ever, I mean, I do this. I think a lot. I'm an internal person, um, which is why I think me and Stephanie work perfectly because she's, she's an external processor. I'm an internal processor. So, like, she gets the person to listen to, and then after I figure it out, when I'm feeling, I share with her, and then she, like, can clarify it. It works perfectly. So I think internally. I think about all the times where I've sinned against God. Like, I think about all my sins. I think about specifically all the times where I was planning to, you ever just plan to say, God, you know what? I'm feeling this way, so I'm just going to do X, Y, Z today, and hopefully I come out the other side of it okay. But I just need to let you know, I'm, I'm just going to sin today, and I'm just going to break your law. If you ever thought that, like me, you ever wonder, like, why hasn't God completely, like, just strike me down, right? Why, God, why hasn't God just dealt with me right in that moment if he knows the state of my heart, and he knows that I, I'm, I'm hell-bent on breaking this law right now. It's because of Jesus. So that's what Romans 3, verse 23 to 26 says. So essentially what Jesus does is Jesus lives a life perfectly according to the law. He obeys every law from the second he's born to the moment he's, he dies. And what he does is in dying on the cross— he essentially is stoned for that woman because he's not saying it's okay that you broke this law and I'm, I'm just forgetting about it. He's saying, I know you broke this law. I fulfilled it perfectly. So what is going to happen now is that the punishment, the stoning that you deserve, is not going to fall on you now. It's going to fall on me. And then for all of us, every sin that we've ever done, every, every single time we've broken the law, Jesus has taken the punishment of that that we rightly deserve, and he's placed it on himself. This is how Jesus is able to say, go, you go ahead and you don't have to sin anymore. Like, don't, don't sin anymore, essentially. Jesus has taken it upon himself. What Jesus does in dying on the cross and raising to life and giving us his righteousness, 
is that he doesn't dismiss the law. He doesn't nullify it. He actually shows how just he is. He shows how good of a judge he is by fulfilling it and then taking the punishment for all who believe in him on himself. So he proves to be a good judge. And then he also proves, as Roman 3.26 says, the justifier of all who have faith in sin. So what Jesus does is, as we see through the story, he reestablishes the way we relate to God. It's no longer on the basis of, hey, God, I've done this work and I've obeyed the law. It's I'm putting my faith in Christ because I can never, I can never hold up to the law. I can never fully keep it. Jesus has done it for me, so I place my faith and trust in him. That's how he's essentially redefined and reestablished how we relate to God. And he does it in a perfect way where the law doesn't get thrown away, but the law is actually fulfilled. He is able to uphold himself as just and as a just judge, and we get forgiveness and we get life and righteousness. So what does that mean for us? So the first thing it means is that we can go and sin no more. This is what Jesus is talking about with the, the woman caught in adultery. We can now follow God's law because we love him and not because, hey, if, you, if I do this right, you know, you're going to give me this or I'm going to earn righteousness with you. We follow the law because we love God and we want to be like Christ. Right? It's, it's why we can stand boldly before him because essentially God sees us the way he sees Christ. He receives us the same way we receive Christ. That's why, as Melvin preached last week, we can pray bold prayers. We can pray greedy prayers because when we come before God, he sees the righteousness of Christ on us and not ourselves. Right? So we have access. We have boldness to be able to come to God and to be with him as he has truly designed us to be. We are also able to love each other better, right? So instead of condemning each other with the law or condemning people who don't follow the law the same way we do, we can now approach them with grace and truth and understanding and knowing that there is an invitation for that person to walk in a relationship with God that's on the basis of the grace of Christ and not their ability to follow the law or inability to follow the law. Another thing we can do is we can share our stories with others. This is a powerful thing. That's why, honestly, I love this story. I feel like even though this woman didn't write it down, we have her story, right? And your story is extremely extremely powerful, right? Um, So, like I mentioned, I read this seven weeks ago, and God profoundly changed my life with it. And then I was talking to a friend of mine who... Um, was reading through the book of John, and I was like, oh my God, like, yo, I I just finished reading the book of John. I had this crazy encounter with God because I read through this particular passage. I want to tell you all about it. Have you you read this? He stops me in my tracks, and he's like, calm down, hold on. This is what I'll do. I'll read through the book, because he's reading it through the first time. If, you know, I happen to have an encounter similar to that, um, then great, I'll tell you. But, you know, if I go through the book and, you know, it doesn't happen, Tell me about your encounter at that point. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll shut up and I'll just wait for you to finish the book. Right? It's like watching a Netflix show, like, oh my God, when you get to that part, let's talk about it. Right? But this is better than a Netflix show. All right. So what happens is a couple of weeks later, we're talking and it's like, yo, man, um, yo, I had this crazy time with God this week. You know, as I was reading through the Bible, I was reading through the book of John. And I was like, wait, what are you about to say? Don't say that. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, wait, tell me more. He's like, 
yeah, you know, I just read through this passage about this woman caught in adultery and I lose it. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like, that's the passage I was going to tell you about two weeks ago when you told me that you're reading through the book of John. And I just want to see your feedback on that. He's like, yo, man, like God spoke to me in an amazing woman, uh, sorry, in a, an amazing way. And, you know, I, I really felt his love and his forgiveness and his mercy. And I was just for it. It's like, man, look at the way God is working through his word and other people's lives. Like, this is the power that the word has, the, part, the power of this story and ultimately our story as we share with others. So to close, I'm not one of those preachers who lie about closing and keep you for another 15 minutes and then do a collection. I've been delivered from that. All right, so to close, this passage is beautiful because it reminds us of the truth and the truths of the foundations of our faith. We no longer relate to God on the basis of the works of the law, essentially what we're able to do and our ability to follow God's law perfectly. We now relate to Christ on the basis of what he's done on his grace in believing in that. And so that is beautiful. That I hope changes us. I hope that it pushes us forward to be able to share this, to invite people I hope it gives us the strength to continue to, to fight sin and to trust in God and to hope in his righteousness. I hope that it pushes us to be bold again before God and pray those you know, crazy, bold, greedy prayers because we have a right to. Right? God loves us because of Christ. And that is the most amazing thing in the world. Because if he loves us, that means like how much more blessings, how much more things he, he, will, he will give us because now that we're his. So I want to close this in prayer, and then I'm going to invite uh, Jess to come up and lead us in worship. Lord, we thank you for the work of Christ, his perfect life, his perfect obedience to the law. Thank you that you, you just don't brush away our sin. God, you are just God, and you fulfill the righteous punishment of the law in your death and you've given us your life god we have hope in you today god i pray that we would embrace that freedom i pray that we would be free to worship you and trust you and and run after you and to to love people in the way that you love god and that we wouldn't condemn others god because we're nailing it or because we understand it god but we would have the same compassion that you have for that woman and ultimately for all of us sinners God, and and we would be your reflection in your light in this world. In Jesus' name.